This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. I don't want to make the Malcolm Gladwell mistake of saying, oh, I've just got one little example of a thing and it proves everything, right? Malcolm Gladwell is that like deeply discredited pop science journalist idiot who's like, hey, I read one article about a violinist who practiced for around 10,000 hours. Therefore, 10,000 hours is the rule. Uh, you need to be an expert. Um, and so he extrapolated from this one article this sort of rule that he sort of holds out as revolutionary that is kind of like, hey, if you practice, you'll be better. Like, it's like, yeah, well, that's a pretty good rule, right? <laughs> so... I don't want to overly extrapolate this funny little conclusion I've had, but but Shag, I just finished eating a protein cookie, right? And hang on, hang a, on, let's stop. Yeah, what's a protein yeah, cookie? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's a product that is sold in like service stations and shit, where they take a chocolate chip cookie or some like variety of food that is like quite a nice food, and they remove some of the nice bits and they put in some other bits, right? So. What I'm doing is I'm trading enjoyment. I'm reducing my enjoyment, <laughs> right, in exchange for increasing what I perceive to be utility, right? And I was and I was just reflecting on it. I was like, that is the choice of a person who is fairly not quite risk averse, but has a pretty low risk appetite. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't want to. Like, I'm very, very happy to sacrifice a genuine amount of enjoyment in order to get an increased amount of utility from this experience. And I don't want to Malcolm Gladwell it and say everyone who's horror averse should be eating protein cookies all the time. But I did think <laughs> I did think it betrayed a kind of conservatism, right? Mm. Of like my the health of my psyche and my desire to walk around at nighttime without being worried about fucking Freddy jumping out from behind the door is such that I will shut off the opportunity to have horror enrich my life, right? The fact I currently faint at the sight of blood, but there are any number of studies that with a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy that I'm actually going through in any case. So it wouldn't be a particularly big investment. But so like that a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy and a little bit of light exposure work, like watching a few horror films would probably get over. So I'm unwilling to expose myself to that possibility, the possibility of having a delicious cookie, the possibility of enriching my life with uh, including horror films in it, in exchange for staying in the very safe utilitarian path. Now, I'm not gladwelling them to saying it's fucking exactly the same and one little example proves everything, but it just struck me as a little microcosm, Shag, that I know we don't want to cast aspersions about the horrorverse, but do you think those of us who are scared of horror films might lead a slightly more sort of lowercase c conservative uh, sort of risk-averse view of the world? Gosh, that's such an interesting thought. And I think my, my knee-jerk reaction immediately is, yes, I think you're right. I think 
if you are going to close yourself up to some experiences because potentially they might cause you some sort of like, you know, harm that you sense, I think just just innately shutting yourself off to experiences because they may cause you harm in the future is a more conservative way to live. So yes, I think I think you're absolutely right. But you know what I actually love, Pitch? I love how much your capacity for self-reflection as a person, but also as, you know, a horror film scaredy cat has increased as we get closer to 200 episodes. Something we did in episode 100 is we talked about our 10 rules for horror films. I'd love to update those rules when we finally get around to recording episode 200. But this time, I kind of love your help. And this is that confusing thing where, Peach, yes, I am saying I'd like your help. Yes, I would. (laughs) Yes. But I'd also like your help, uh, who is listening. So if you've picked out like a new horror rule or even like a life rule that we've uncovered through the last sort of 200 episodes of Spooko, I'd love you to let us know. Obviously, let us know on our Insta, but I'd also kind of love... Now, this is this is a bit of an experiment. I don't know if this is going to work. Yep. But I'd love to hear some voices that aren't ours. So if you'd love to record a yes. voice memo and send it to us at peachandshag at gmail.com. Have you done it? Oh, you like it takes two address? seconds to set up an email address. You know that like when I used to do a tiny bit of admin heavy lifting for this podcast, I think I set up spookopodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, peachandshag at gmail.com is awesome. We'll just, kick that. Just feels like it's easier to remember. But, you know, send it to any <laughs> potentially spooko-related <laughs> gmail. I'd, I'd love to hear your voice. Tell us what you've learned. Tell us what spooko's yeah. taught you over the last sort of 200 episodes. That would be amazing. But, Peach, as we get closer to 200 episodes, we've been in our friendship homework era for the Mm. last sort of like 15 episodes or so, you know, taking requests from people. And we is that starting to chafe? I should ask. Are you like, yeah, okay, everyone, thanks for all you fucking thing. Like, like, I need to get back to, I need to get back to my agenda. Like, are you enjoying the friendship homework era? Honestly, it's been so helpful. Like, real talk, it's been so useful. Mm. Not only do I know, you know, not only did I realize that Lake Mungo was something that people really wanted to know about. So little things like that, but also hearing about films like The Night House that I would have overlooked because they had such bland titles, even though the title is actually amazing, but you have to like go through the blandness to realize how amazing it is, right? Like, so it's been really helpful. And, you know, we always talked about how Friendship Homework was going to end with episode 200. It was an arbitrary rule, but we're sticking Mm. by it because we are the Malcolm Gladwells of podcasting. We love (laughs) just creating arbitrary rules and just sticking by them and making them our whole personality. And... I guess before we get to episode 200, which you might have thought was going to be this episode, but it's actually going to be next week. You got spooked. You got spooked. <laughs> like, what do I call it? You got fucking punked. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to share a couple of films that we're not going to cover. Mm. And we had a couple of suggestions that are films that I know of and or I didn't know of and were like, you know what? I don't think it's right sharing these films with the world because they're too disturbing and it made me realize it's time to do another of spooko's most disturbing films of all time so peach uh i don't know what we're going to call it because because i sort of made it definitive the last time we did this so this is another five of the most disturbing films of all time peach are you ready
Now, in listening back to old Spooko episodes, I forget a lot of stuff. There was a time through our first 100 episodes or so when we'd be calling back to that Spit Syndicate line of Ayo, you know we're back on our J-O. And we thought it would be fun to get Spit Syndicate in for episode 100, and then we didn't, and then kind of just totally forgot about it. I also forgot about Delta's Lost Australian when we listened back to episode 100 recently, and I was like, that's a really good song as well. Still haven't heard from Delta between episode 100 and 200. I expect he's very successful and things are going extremely well. Um, he's actually a rapper from Adelaide, so he might be enjoying the talk to me buzz and sort of enjoying all that kind of uh, thing. Knowing Australian rappers, he's probably really pissed off that they didn't include his music in the film. <laughs> Oh, no, like Australian rappers, he's probably like, drill doesn't count as real hip hop. Like, it's not. Big Daddy Kane wouldn't have been impressed with this. <laughs> There's not enough DJ Premier involvement in uh, in drill. Um, sorry, I, like, I'm not here to take shots at, at old Australian rappers, apart from self deprecating ones about myself. The kickstart with the beef tripe, skip to the freestyle, then with the email, follow ups to friends, boats, trains. Cars up the F3, take me right back to where I'll never live again. But, Jake, the most disturbing films of all time, it's it's interesting to raise them in the context of you saying we're not actually going to cover them because mm. I feel like we've had a few pretty fucking spook outs along the way. And so the idea of being like, okay, these ones are a little too extreme, I'm not quite looking forward to it, but I'm certainly intrigued by the idea we're going to be exploring some uncharted territory that will sort of never be charted. It's just going to stay uncharted. Look, I mean, I never thought we'd make it to episode 200, so mm. I, 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 I don't like to have absolutes on this pod. But as of right now, I don't think these are films we'll ever cover. And I talked about your self-reflection. I've definitely had some self-reflection. I've definitely had moments of realisations about myself mm. doing this pod as a horror fan. And I think when I started, I was really drawn to the most disturbing corners of the horror universe. And yet now, I, I think as I get older, as we explore the breadth of horror more and more, I find myself less going back to those lists, less going back to the most disturbing films of all time. Yeah, okay. But as I've said many times, like I'm really glad these films exist because I think it's important that horror as a genre is dangerous. I don't, I don't know... I, I don't know how to say that without sounding like a terrible person, but it's true. I think horror as a genre doesn't work unless there are corners of it that will really fuck you up no matter who you are. I think that's actually a really great insight about, like, artistic endeavour generally. So, like, your joke about, like, a bedroom music producer who's just done, like, an eight-minute song that goes bleep bloop. That's dumb. And it's like, well, like, having Philip Glass do four minutes, 39 seconds or whatever – might be my idea of fucking useless cultural detritus. But there's a degree where my sensibilities are pretty pop poppy. My sensibilities are pretty mainstream, despite despite the fact that I was one of the best underground rappers in Sydney in the 2000s. That's a bit of a joke. Self-deprecating rapper joke that I flagged earlier in the episode. Pete, Pete, I heard what you said to say. Saw the pepper spray and had to get away. Better understand, better go and tune it in. Better not talk to those loser pigs. But I think that the breadth we get to enjoy as mainstream consumers is often only arrived at by the fact that you've got people really stretching the boundaries. And so the fact that I can go, oh, 
hearing about Sissy and Hannah watching herself get her face bashed in, if that's the most like extreme version of this genre we see, then we're probably not actually going to see it, right? Because if you're looking for a mainstream audience, you need to come closer to the mainstream. And so the mainstream only includes those slightly more interesting, engaging moments if the fringes are properly being pushed and stretched. So I'm down for not never watching these films, but I'm also I'm with you, Shag, in that I like the idea of artistic boundaries being pushed at the edges so that we then just get to take the benefits in the mainstream. And I think we, you know, one of the... The the terms we've coined over the past sort of last 30 episodes or so, I think this was from the um, See No Evil episode of the idea of like feel bad club that like there's a point where the the bad feeling stops feeling good and actually is just awful, right? Like, and I guess that's the point. Like you are feeling bad. You are feeling bad and you're reveling in enjoying that bad, awful, disturbed feeling in a very safe space. But I think there are films on the edges of horror and, and this genre and scary films where for, for many different reasons, it takes it to a point where I just don't feel comfortable sharing with everybody, but I do kind of feel comfortable letting you know what exists. So I guess I'm yep. sort of charting the edges of horror without actually exposing you to them. And like anything, like this, I know this is very clickbaity. And if you want to read these Wikipedia synopsises, they exist and every single one is really just like the wikipedia synopses are disturbed like i wouldn't want to subject you to the wikipedia synopses i haven't seen all of these films all of these films i won't see i choose not to see so with that with that in mind Pete, <laughs> let's talk about them yeah, yeah, yeah i'd love it what i'm doing is usually i would show you the trailers to these films these films yep. i'm not going to show you the even the trailers are quite full-on what i've done is i've just created a little doc with all the posters for these films so I'd like you to take us through the title of the films one by one. So take us through the first one, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what the first film of our sort of next five most disturbing films of all time are. Okay. So it's the Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, we've got in the 90s a serial killer terrorized an upstate New York town. Some murderers leave clues. Some leave warnings. This one left. The Poughkeepsie tape, po- the po- Poughkeepsie tapes. So this was... Oh, is this a snuff film film? This was a suggestion from someone. And I feel like I, 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 think, it, I think it is actually, you know, a great suggestion for Spooko. And I don't, like, this isn't a, like, like I'm not, like, shaming the friendship homework. I'm, I'm sort of giving a rational, like, an explanation of, like, why this is something we probably wouldn't cover. But, it's, but, uh, but we would cover in this sort of way rather than mm. as a full episode. So there's a genre of horror which we touched on in the last time we talked about disturbing films, the August Underground series, mm. uh, are proponents of it, in which it really is just nihilistic slaughter. It's just, it's like, ter- like, like Terrifier without the sense of humor, right? Yep. It's just like, how bad can it get? And there are some films where it seems like they like writing about the slaughter that's happening. And not, not in the way where it's like, how, how, you know, fucked up can I get? How, like, it's like, oh, they kind of, I just really get like the feeling, yeah. no, they're enjoying. And that makes me just feel off. 
This Wikipedia synopsis, I I didn't even finish the Wikipedia synopsis. It begins with the first victim of a serial killer being an eight-year-old girl. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Sorry. Sorry, I'm gone. I'm gone. I don't, I I don't, I, I think I'm, I think I'm okay not reading the rest of this. I did end up reading the rest of it and it's awful. But this film is kind of that, that, that sort of found footage sort of purporting to be a snuff film sort of film. And again, like, I'm not like, you can like this film. There's nothing wrong with this film, but this is, this is, this is one of the corners of horror. I feel like someone who's horror averse should probably never get to a point in their journey where this is a film that they actively pursue and enjoy. So what's the analogy, Shag, like, of, like, rock and roll fan heading towards, like, emo, heading towards screamo, heading towards hardcore, heading towards metal, heading towards death metal, heading towards speed metal? Like, like, is it a kind of, like, further from the... further from the approachable centre? Like, like, can you kind of chart a path that way or have I sort of made that up a little bit? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it works that way. One thing I was thinking about, because there's a quote in the Wikipedia where one of the journalists reviewing it said, this is definitely not a film for everyone, particularly those who have a low threshold for violence and torture, but it is for those who love true crime. For those people, it's a treasure. And what it actually made me think of is... If you listen to a bit of true crime, and I don't listen to a lot, Mm. weirdly, I find that a bit kind of difficult because you're often talking about real people and that that feels questionable. And not all the time, but there are definitely episodes of true crime podcasts where they pick a particularly nasty, like, raping, dismembering serial killer and just Mm. describe all the things they've done. And you listen to it and you're kind of like, oh, like... What have I done? How did I get here? What, what am I What am I doing listening to this for entertainment? And this is the point where you're listening to Case File or something and it's those Russian thrill killers and you're listening to what they've done and it makes you feel bad for days and you're kind of like, what am I doing? Again, so that's the Poughkeepsie tapes. Peach, let's go to number two. Oh, sick. I'm, I'm so glad we're not doing this proper spook. <laughs> <laughs> Found, oh God, facebook.com slash foundmovie, foundmovie.net. We have a a child and we have a like sort of mix between World War One gas mask and that like 16th century plague, you know, that like plague crow, what are they called, Shag? They're like, oh, those gas masks, those World War One gas masks. Yeah, mixed with the like plague, the ones plague from the mask. 16th century. Yeah, the doctor mask from like the era of the bubonic plague sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like that to me. And the fact that there's no actual studio attached and it's like, hey, come to our Facebook page or just go to the go to the URL we've bought. It makes me like it makes me feel grot just looking at it really. Yeah. And I mean the edges of horror, you know, the most disturbing films, often you find films that are made by like smaller indie studios. And this is definitely one of them. How this came onto my radar was because after we did the Faces of Death episode, all those episodes ago, I was interested in doing something about banned films in Australia because mm. obviously all the countries are different and I needed a good place to start. And, you know, we have experts we can talk to about why films get banned, what happens to them, the legalities of it. 
But I was drawn to this one because when you actually look at what's been banned in Australia, even though we live in a total nanny state, uh, not that much has been banned. And mostly it's because they involve borderline child exploitation material. But then in 2012, this horror movie gets banned. And I was a bit like, that's wild. Pretty much everything gets passed. And, you know, like Terrifier 2 and Terrifier were released here. So like, what's the difference? And then I started investigating this film. And again, it's just, I, I, this film exists. You can look it up. It's, it's about a young teenage boy and his older teenage brother. And he finds out that his teenage brother is like a bigoted serial killer. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just like, it's just bleak. It's black. It's just, it's just not nice. And the, like, I, uh, that I usually even in the darkest films, and there there are films where it's like you know, and obviously people you know when we covered Woman, people pretty rightfully were like you know what value does this have? Found as a film, I'm like there is no value, except you know in this case to be like there are films on the edges of horror, that's found. Yeah, fuck, fuck that. Like, but like that. Like, if you, you've just piqued my curiosity as well enough to be like, so does the little brother go on the serial killing? Or I'm like, yeah, okay. Like it has, okay. like it has a film within a film that they also made called Headless. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it it was banned in Australia, but then eventually re released with like 98 seconds cut. Can you imagine like 98 seconds of just the worst thing you could see on screen that had to be removed from a film. So the Australian government could say, this film's okay to watch. And this is a government that was like terrified too. Get in cinema. No, no. Get over here. Come on, get into cinemas. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just feel grot hearing that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Peach, scroll down to the next film. What have we got? We've got... Oh the, ha- oh, the house that Jack built by Lars von Trier, Matt Dillon, and Bruno Gans. I, I feel like, do I, do I know what this is? We've talked about this before, and we've had a couple of people be like, I'd love to hear you cover this film. And to them we say, not today, Satan. No, <laughs> uh, like, no, I, the, the reason why, see, I have seen this film because I was, my curiosity was piqued. There's stories of vomiting and walkouts when it premiered at film festivals. And it premiered at film festivals because it's Lars von Trier, but also famously depressed filmmaker, famously nihilistic filmmaker. He makes this film about a serial killer recounting, I guess, his serial killing career to Virgil as he tours the nine realms of hell. Like, it's an actually cool story, but it has this moment in which... Two children are murdered on screen in a in a very fake looking way, but the fakeness of it made me feel even worse. And I don't know if it makes me a hypocrite that I'm like, I'll happily be like hereditary's fine, in which the younger sister is beheaded and then we see her head mm. with the flies buzzing around. And I'm fine with that, but for some reason I'm not fine with it. I was I was trying to think today why I'm not fine with these shots and i think uh, and it's 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 part of this film but i think the the dispassionate way these deaths happen and in the full just the 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 un 
cutaway, un, un, unblocked way that we just watch these two children die. I just, I, I, it was just too much for me. And I was like, you know what? I, again, I like, I, I, I am not, in no way do I want censorship of horror in any way. This is just not a film I thought was right for this pod. Yep, I stand with you, Gooey. But I also kind of love the idea of a serial killer recounting to Virgil. His oh, that's a great, that's a fabulous idea. Um, but it also shows that, you know, our friendship homework era does have its limits. And so, you, like, you're able to say, look, thanks for that friendship homework. We're not going to do it. He, a cool thing about this movie. I still have only watched, like, three episodes of Succession. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm done with that. <laughs> A cool thing about this movie, though, is it features footage of a hole in the ground called the Kola Super Deep Borehole, which is in Russia near the Russia-Norwegian border. That, I mean, this is debunked because obviously it's been debunked, but mm. rumour has it it's that deep that you can hear screams from souls in hell if you go to visit this hole in Russia. Yeah, that does sound super, super straightforward to debunk. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's a great name, though. What is it? The Super Deep? It's the Cola Super Deep Borehole. Cola Super, yeah, okay, great. Right? Like, like, like yeah, like this, this, this is the closest film I would get to covering, but because of that scene, I was like, I just don't feel right. It doesn't feel right to do it. Yeah, it feels like a mix of the, like, quite approachable, quite camp like concept of the serial killer being like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'm dead now. Well, let's just go through my highlight reel. Um, that's sort of quite a fun, slightly grim view of the world. But then it's like, okay, what are we recapping? Yeah. yeah. All right, Pete, scroll down. Oh, actually, ooh, okay, before you scroll down, this is like the worst poster. I'm so sorry, but all the posters are like it. this. This is from Oof. 1988. I don't know what you've done to me, but I'm like, oh, the worst one, eh? <laughs> Oh, weird. Oh. Yeah, okay. This one's called Men Behind the Sun. Um, with, like, sort of weird, intense energy. We've got a child with, like, an embryo with, like, an adult's head. The stomach removed, we've got someone's hands like melting away. Yeah, okay, it seems fairly upsetting. There's like a sex scene, and yeah, there's an A, there's a gorilla. Yeah, it seems really weird. All right, so yeah, in fact, this is a classic curiosity one. I'm like, well, what is Men Behind the Sun all about? The, the last two films are films that constantly come up on the most disturbing films of all time lists. And in fact, I, I'm amazed I didn't include them last time. Although there are lots of differing opinions. So maybe, you know, while I was talking about them, these films just weren't on the list that I was looking at or whatever. Um, this, this is really hard to describe, but, but, but let me try. So there's this weird subgenre of horror. It doesn't really exist anymore, but it existed in like the 70s and 80s of Nazi exploitation. So it took okay. real life inspiration from atrocities that happened specifically in World War II and sort of made them the basis for exploitation films. So I think there's, you know, there's Ilsa the She-Wolf of the SS is like a really famous one. I've, to be honest, I've never seen any of these. I think most of them are pretty hard to come by now. Yeah, okay. Although I'm sure you could literally type them into YouTube and they're right there. But... Uh, <laughs> 
I find them, I find it really troubling. We talk about make, you know, my views on making, you know, Nazis or making any, you know, historical bad guys, horror movie enemies, because it takes away from the fact that these were just normal people doing awful things after a awful period of escalation of nationalism and, you know, meeting dehumanization, you know, like. Yeah, okay. So, so, so it's sort of what it like waters down the real world issue. Yeah, okay, by by making them a cartoon. Yeah, and and so this is this is where and like this is probably the darkest shit we'll talk about like ever on Spooko. But you, Peach, you're you're a student of of history. I don't know how much you know about World War Two, but have you ever heard of um, Unit Seven Thirty One? Possibly, but I've forgotten what it is. I do not know. Cool. So Unit Seven Thirty One was a covert biological warfare unit from the Japanese army in World War II that did human experiments. And it, it's, it's true, it's real. One of the most awful facts about it is they disguised what they were doing as a lumber mill. And so they often referred to the uh. prisoners who they used as you know, experiment subjects as logs. So, uh, like, utter dehumanization. This happened. And also, just to talk about, like, the complexities of who's good and who's bad in war, the general and the high-ranking officers behind this were basically let off after the war because the American government was like, actually, the research they found from doing this is really good and we'd never be allowed to experiment on people like this. So we're just going to let them go so we can use them. Is that, is that second point so? I, I thought that was a very live controversy as to whether the inhumane science done during World War II, mainly by Nazi doctors, whether, whether it was ethically right to put that to, you know, to build on that ethically. So, so Shiro Ishii, who was the Surgeon General and the head of Unit 731, I mean, again, according to Wikipedia, was never punished by the yeah. War Crimes Tribunal. And I think there's a quote from an American... Yeah, so, so this was Edwin Hill who was the chief of Fort Detrick, uh, who said that the information was absolutely invaluable. And, it, and these are quotes from this man. It could mm. never have been obtained in the United States because of scruples attached to experiments on humans. Mm. So, so anyway, so that's, that's Unit 731, mm. like a real thing that, and kind of to, to many ways, you know, a real thing that happened in in humanity's history and many degrees sort of went unpunished and isn't really talked about that much. A Hong Kong filmmaker made a film in 1988 called Men Behind the Sun, which had sort of two parts to it. It had these young kids joining the Japanese army and getting caught up in the, I guess, the indoctrination that would lead them to working in a place like this. But it also just has just scenes of the experiments, like just straight up, like th- there's no music. Yeah. Often the, the actual sub, the, the experiment subjects have no names. They're just, they're just, yeah. they're logs as the, as the Japanese would say, like that's how they're basically treated in the film. And obviously a lot of people have thoughts about this film. Like there are some critics who say it's historical 
importance is dulled by the fact that it uses sort of horror exploitation tactics. Like that sort of takes away from it. Mm. There's a lot of Japanese critics who are like, it's anti-Japanese propaganda. And it, it, it exists in this weird place where it's like, it feels like a horror exploitation film, but it's about a real thing that happened. And I don't, I like, I don't, like, I don't, it, it it's, it's too, it, I, I love the use of horror to tell stories. I don't know how I feel about the use of horror as a genre to tell this story. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's really well put what you just said. Uh, I, I mean, there are ways that genres of art can be vehicles for other things. And if we think of, whatever that, that meme is that now travels through culture of like, oh, the real journalism these days is done by comedians. And it's like kind of, it's like, yeah, well, like sort of no, the, but the real social commentary these days, you, you know, will sometimes, you, you know, um, spurt, spurt from the mouth of a stand-up comedian, certainly. And so I think there's an idea that certain genres can be good at certain things. I think the very fundamental nature of horror is such that it cannot be ever a like the crown style quasi docu you know there's a reason why there's no well there's docudrama but no docu horror right because the very point of horror is to take the usual and to subvert it and if the subject matter is something where that's already happened the very fact of it happening is sort of the horror itself. Like there's no way to elevate it, no way to give that a twist in and of itself. Wouldn't it be weird if someone was trying to kill you in your dreams? Yeah, man, yeah, that's some horror. Wouldn't it be weird if there was like an army um, um, medical uh, arm devoted to experimenting on enemy soldiers and conducting those experiments in an unethical way? It's like, yeah, that's also horrible. And so beyond a reasonably faithful I'll say documentary style or like purported, purportedly accurate based on a true story style um, would be document to help us understand what went on. I find events like this sort of too horrific and sort of beyond the reach of horror. Horror, horror has nothing to say about this. Horror has nothing to, to, to play with in this space, I tend to think. I will say it starts with an amazing quote, though. So the film opens mm. with the passage, friendship is friendship, history is history. Although Malcolm Gladwell would love that quote. He'd be like, yeah, that's the- <laughs> Funny thing about history, right? It's like, it's all circular. So you take... You know, you take- all right. Okay. So... Like, like, that, like that really bums me out. Yeah. That's... Yeah. The Pete, let's finish with a fun one. In fact, it's the opposite. This is probably the worst one by far. Oh, God. Um, this is one of those films that you have to be like a hardcore horror fan to have heard of. Like, it is yeah, okay. very art house. But also, if you read enough most disturbing clickbait, you know, articles of all time, you mm. will pretty regularly find this at number one, number two, at least in the top five. Yeah, okay. And... Something that I've been noticing recently is, you know what? In fact, scroll down. You tell us what this one's called. Uh, yeah, okay. 
Okay, Melancholy der Engel. Looks like the sad angel or the crying angel in German, I would expect. Yeah, it's a German film. Uh, something I've been recently enjoying is following Zuma meme accounts on social media and discovering how much millennials suck as a generation. <laughs> like, we're the worst. We suck so oh, much. Oh, we hugely are. <laughs> Our sense of, like, superiority like versus you know the sense of persecution and sense of superiority at once of like we're the worst treated and we're also the best oh it's so rough yeah millennials are the worst i'm down i'm down to agree with that so this film in the prime millennial era of 2009 got like i'm just like god everything must have been terrible in 2009 somehow won the New York, let me, let me put it, it was the New York International Independent Film and Video Festival, and it won Best International Feature Film. I have not seen a single review of this film that isn't like, this film has no worth, it is just atrocity after atrocity. I was trying to find the least offensive part of this Wikipedia synopsis, so I could just read you something that wouldn't make me feel bad about myself. This is one sentence, this is probably the least bad, this is probably the most sanitized sentence in the whole Wikipedia synopsis. Afterward, so this is this is just this is like maybe four or five paragraphs in. Yeah. Afterward, an orgy takes place in which the four remaining members of the group burn mm-hmm. Heinrich, still alive, at a pyre while the participants engage in sexual acts and urinate on the fire. Oh, like that's like the nicest part of it. That's like the part where I'm like, I feel okay telling that to you and to everyone listening. But, like, even conceptually, the idea that has any role to play in anything is like, okay, like, well done. That does feel like classic millennial. What is it? That does feel like low interest rate culture. That does feel like, (laughs) you know, like, we're the generation that birthed, like, the splat pack. We're the generation that went to Tarantino films that, like, ensured he has, you know, an audience. I feel we've got a lot of uh, responsibility that, you know, our day of reckoning is coming pretty soon, Jack, I think. Like, so. it, it's just like, it, it, like when you read it, and, and again, like I know that there will be people who will be like, I need to read this straight away, and totally do. But like mm. when, when you do read this Wikipedia synopsis, it reads like you were like, chat GPT, write me the most offensive film treatment of all time. That's just what it sounds like. It just, there's no artistic merit even like the reviewers who tried to find something good in this were like it kind of looks nice the cinematography is sometimes okay but yeah peach okay so that is five more of the most disturbing films of all time i'm struck by the critical reception there because i feel like when you have very movie literate and film literate people who love horror film well we 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 take our megan riakos example or our alexi toliopoulos example what, or I will, indeed, I will, Reichelt or Lee Tran Lam, um, is what you find with the highly film literate who nonetheless have an understanding or a soft spot or, or an open mind to horror is they'll often lean into the more, I'll say schlocky without wanting to be insulting, but, but the, the sort of the fun and extreme um, elements of horror, the the sort of slightly perverse, absurd, exaggerated elements, and the idea that critics would get around to be like, I can't wait to ha- there, for there to be an orgy around someone's burning corpse that everyone's pissing on, strikes me as a very two thousand nine. It, it just sounds moment. dumb when you say it. It's not even like it's just like why, like why, why? It's not even sort of cool or scary or like 
anything. It's just like that's just the dumbest. And we've spoken before how we don't do kink shaming. I'm sort of very available to revise that view to say I'm very comfortable shaming a kink that causes a pain or degradation to someone who can't consent to it. So if you have kinks of that kind, fucking boo-boo sucks to you. I don't think, and look, I'm not as deep into kink culture, but I don't think that counts. I, I, I don't think a kink... Ah, uh, okay. I don't think it can be a kink if it causes harm to others. I don't think... I think then it becomes sort of uh, a crime. Nice. And that's, yeah, okay, that's cool. its own thing. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. I'm like, a film like this, it's like, it just... I like disturbing films that create a concept like See No Evil, you know, like a couple mm. who are murdering parents and kidnapping their kids and taking their tongues so they can't speak again. Like that, mm. I mean, that's saying that I, uh, that's awful, but built the build up to that and the reveal of that is just a worm that burrowed into my brain that nestles there in a dark corner that feels good to visit sometimes just to, the, the badness of that. Whereas just being bludgeoned by image after image of just like degradation and sexual violence and necrophilia is just boring. Can I float the difference to you? Yes. The horror of the first is in-film horror. The horror of the second is out-of-film horror. So in the first one, you're like, how in the fuck could this universe like exist? This is intense. But for the second one, you're like, how did this fucking film get made? (laughs) Yes. What like shit idiots are behind this? What's going through their heads? And so the horror of the first, yeah, as I say, is in universe and the horror of the second is like out of universe of like who's causing material like this to be distributed around. So this and wa- the first is enjoyable versus the second, which, which, which is not, I expect. So this was another trip to the dark corners of the genre we've been covering for almost 200 episodes. Next week, we're hitting a huge milestone. And as we said at the start, we'd love you to be a part of it. If, yes. If you have thoughts of things... You know, new horror rules that potentially we've uncovered over the last sort of, uh, you know, 200 episodes of Spooko. Please let us know. Either just hit us up on Insta or, you know, if you want to create a voice recording, we'd love to hear your voice uh, at peachandshag at gmail.com. I, I don't yet have the password to that account and I may <laughs> never get it. So um, <laughs> occasionally people are like, is this peach or shag? At least for the moment. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Reshes, what's up? I get money, I get money, I get money, I get it. I I, 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 take a minute of my time, I charge it for 10 bucks, 40 grand a bill, son, that's what's up, have a great hump on me, baby, be a millionaire, I'll send a check before the finish line, who the hell care, I'm stanky tight, writing all day, bitch, charging heaps cause I speak a different language, mastery with a F in David's page, put it down, name it, don't wanna change it. Be a millionaire and have my baby So much money, don't need Stein magazine to paint Back straight, eyes up, shit is too tear What's the matter, son? You must be new here Make a living, turn minutes into money Make a living, nah, try to take a living from me Straight from work and we all clothed up Go ahead, get, get, get money, so I work it all I, I get it I, 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 I,